It's the Heckleproof Comedy Podcast with Zach Bolton and Carl Lee and Maddie J. Tonight's episode, music producer, Mark Johnson. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Heckle Proof Podcast. I'm your boy, Carl Lee. I'm Zach B. And I am Maddie J. <laughs> and before we get started, like always, got to give a shout out to our sponsors. Maddie, who we got? Well, let's see. We got Rogue Comedy Underground, my personal favorite mm-hmm. sponsor. Oh, who yeah. else? Of course. And we got Courthouse Family Fitness. <sighs> mm. Uh, we had some delicious food right before this, sponsored by Hawaiian Hut. Thank you, Wes. Uh, thank you, Wes. I got to. I can't wait to demolish oh, that. Good. I, I hope you don't have nothing stuck in your teeth, courtesy of Hawaiian Hut. Not yet. I haven't check it. Yet. Did Hawaiian you do a Hut. teeth check? I, yet. I always yet. get Hawaiian butt after Not I eat yet. that Hawaiian, Hawaiian Hut. Butt. <laughs> <laughs> That's a compliment, Wes. By the way. <laughs> what the fuck? And let's say what's up. Thank you, Chad Wicks. Thank you so much for supporting uh, Health and Food Podcast. I also want to thank the pub, the grip, the the point. Pub and Grill, amazing food. Go check that place out. Amazing food. They're gonna open up a new location soon, on a, another one in the, on South Mefford. So we have to yeah. alternate different days and make sure that we coordinate so we don't get Hawaiian Hut and the point at the same time. It would just be too bloated to do the podcast. Oh I hell no! Yeah, what do I? <laughs> Who's this fine gentleman right this, here, Maddie? This esteemed gentleman sitting to my left here mm-hmm. is Mr. Mark T. Johnson. Well, today Ooh. your ass is Marky Mark. Marky Mark. Mark, Mark T. Johnson. Mark. Before. And, he, and he's, from, he's from Blue Jay Audio Productions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I've known this gentleman for 24 years. That's a long time. That's almost longer than I've been, been around. For. I was yeah. six. I was shitting my pants still when you guys knew each other. That's, that's as, crazy. That's as old as Zach <laughs> I think I was too. <laughs> You were one of the first people I met when I first moved up here. Is that a good wow. thing? <laughs> and somehow and you stayed? Yeah. Right. I mean, Where'd you guys meet at? That's that. Well, we question. met at Musician's Friend. We were both yeah. working there. So oh, really? We didn't really that's, have a choice. That's a, a reference. It's a dated reference. But for all of you, um, you might recognize it now as Guitar Center. But back in the oh. day, oh. back in the day before it was purchased by them, it was oh. a locally Friends. owned company called... Musician's friend, and it was mail order catalog company. They're still around though, right? Yeah, they're uh, no, they got mail order. Well, the, oh, cat- the catalog mail? is still catalog is still good. Oh, in that okay. name, hold but. up, hold up. A mail <laughs> order. You could order men in a, in a magazine. <laughs> yes, musical men. Well, you could order men. Yeah. Mail I don't order. know. Are you are you in their catalog? <laughs> well, <laughs> mail order. Carl's part of the winter collection. Well, <laughs> I'm in a Sears. I'm in a Sears Robux. Catalog, <laughs> JC Penney. That's how far I go back. Oh, when the motherfuckers was this big, right? <laughs> hey, you don't, you don't remember that shit. I mean, I've heard about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, so this was this would have been uh, probably 97, 98. 98, yeah. That's when, when I moved here. You guys went through Y two K together. Yeah, we did. We. What did you move from? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, from Chico. Okay, or by way of L A. Oroville over oh, in that wow. area. Uh, Oroville's near Chico. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They got yeah. good popcorn. <laughs> good popcorn. Who? Yeah. Orville. Redenbacher. Oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he was from Orville. Like, what the fuck? No. I fell for that shit. Anyway, finish, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was uh, in Chico, actually Sacramento, just before I moved up here. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I lived in Chico for six years. I went to Chico State, got mm-hmm. my uh, recording arts degree there at Chico so State. So you already you did music down there before you came up here? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. I, I got into the music business uh, down there by, uh, you know, going to uh, yeah. the recording arts program and then getting involved in live music and theater production and stuff like that. So recording oh, nice. arts program. So you must have been truly like you just grew up in music mm. and that was your thing. So you got a, You actually got a, like a scholarship. No, oh. not exactly. I did grow up with music. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I started playing piano at Ooh. eight. Oh, wow. That's huge. <laughs> it's always the best place to start, really, Ooh. if you can. <sighs> yeah, it was a great way to Why is that bad? music. Uh, but, uh, piano, is, it's just linear in a way that applies to almost every other instrument. So oh, if, shit. You, if you start with piano, it's really easy to transfer are you serious? Because it just yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. So that explains why yeah. Stevie Wonder can play every motherfucking <laughs> instrument. <laughs> that dude can play every damn instrument easy. Like it's now, now, there are some that it doesn't work that way with, but they're far and few between. Okay. Most instruments are laid out in a pattern of some sort where by moving your fingers up or down, you're just simply choosing the next note up on a scale. And that's essentially what a piano is. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's laid out all in one. But if you think about a guitar, just imagine six keyboard sets mm. right right and they're all a different octave but that's yeah. essentially what that is, is when you yeah. look at the fretboard of a guitar it's just like a piano and right if you look okay. at a, a wind instrument sense. the way that you're visualizing your notes on a wind instrument is the same way the way you play them might be different yeah mm-hmm. but, it's but with the family. piano you have all the notes laid out there right in front of you mm-hmm. right you don't have okay. to do anything to yep. create the note it's right, right, it's there. right there yeah you can see sense. every note yeah. So it's a great way to conceptualize the notes and the scales. And right. Whereas with like a guitar or something, you have to put your fingers in a certain well, position. It, I was, I was uh, liken it to hopscotch. It's like, you remember when mm-hmm. you're a kid and you're playing hopscotch, it's a pattern, right? And you hop over one. You, maybe you, you miss two of them on purpose because you're doing the same pattern that somebody else was yeah, yeah. playing hopscotch. And it's the same with piano. As you learn it pretty soon, you start seeing these gaps. Like I'm going to go from here to here to mm-hmm. here. And so instead of thinking about a chord as like where my fingers go, right. I might think of it as Hopscotch. one three five, yeah, or one three six. You see, yeah, my intervals, mother yeah. that makes sense. My mother was like you, Mark. She was taught early, early age to play piano. Yeah, my mom was amazing, and I didn't. It didn't dawn on me until I was older when I knew she was truly professional. Right. What kind of skills she had? It was just so. I you just grew up hearing it, so you yeah, thought like, oh, up, cool. I, Everybody does this. Because <laughs> choir, you know, it's really from Virginia, so she went to you know that's that Baptist. Mm-hmm. So she was in the oh, house yeah. practicing a lot, and then she would go play at the churches, and so being able to see that. But um, I grew up in Baptist church too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Playing piano? Did you play? Well, it was the pipe organ that really got me, you know. Uh, I went to yeah. uh, First Baptist Church of Van Nuys, man. They had a, they had a huge hilarious. pipe organ there. And I just wanted to go and listen to the organ, you know. Yeah. That, that was the draw for me. And you That's learned crazy. to read music early? Yeah, I did. You know, when I started at eight, I uh, started with learning how to wow. music theory. And wow. then uh, when I went to Chico State, it just really reinforced. How many years were you at Chico State for? Well, it's a four-year program, mm-hmm. but I already had all my undergraduate work on uh-huh. so I did it in two and a half years. Oh, wow. Dang. And it's worth talking about uh, one notable thing about when you went to school for recording. You went to school for recording right in the middle of a revolution in the recording industry that was yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's oh, really damn. important to talk about this because you have skills in both arenas. Uh, they talk a lot about Gen X being the generation that had no technology yeah, and yeah. technology. And so they have the skill set of kind both. of right in between. And 
in Chico, they were teaching you reel-to-reel recording, analog tape recording. Yeah, yeah. They still had an analog studio there with a two-inch two inch, uh, tape machine. So t- two-inch tape is, is two inches wide, and it records 24 tracks on wow. inches of tape. Mm-hmm. And so we had two two-inch tape machines there for 48 tracks total. And, you know, a great uh, analog desk and all the classic outboard gear that you could Jeez. ever want. And uh-huh. what that means... And a microphone collection. That what, was just what that means is, is also lost a little bit on people who aren't familiar with music, for an example. Uh, this mixing board right here that, you're, that we work with has levels on it. And in the digital age, for example, uh, if a producer is working on a mixing board and they're mixing something they can record an automation of these adjustments that they're doing on the fly in the music. And then later on they can hit a button and you can watch those faders move up and down. And people don't realize that we did not have that. They didn't. So, and it was also very much the mixer was an instrument. So you would watch these producers playing back an artist's work and they had to physically make the changes on the fly for and the then, artist and then you recruit mm-hmm. other people to help you with that right because yeah you only have two hands right so you can't always get all the faders so it's like yeah. you tell yeah your yeah friends, okay you get on that <laughs> fader right there and you and right when he sings <laughs> this right when he sings this nice. word i want you to turn this you know it it, it was a an instrument a real true That's instrument dope. at that yeah point. mixing was such a, a real-time art then you know you didn't have the chance to to uh, record it and then go back and yeah. tweak it. You know, right. it's like you had to get it right the first yeah, time. Yeah, now people can do it all kind of themselves if they have the technology or yeah, you can or the experience it. knowing how to do it, which is crazy because you can turn what used to be like a multiple-man job into you, you can record your own thing and edit it yourself mm-hmm. and master it yourself and yeah. distribute it yourself. And The trickiest part about all of that, because that's, that's where – we worked together first and that's how we got introduced. But where hmm. we first worked together musically was 2009 ish. I think I was working on this record and I was doing exactly what you're talking about. And in my mind, I was going to do it all right. right. I was going <clears> to <throat> learn it and I was going to figure it out and I was going to record this record and it was going to sound fantastic. It was going to be ready. Right. Mm-hmm. I can submit it to somebody for a commercial right, right. ready to roll. And I bought all the gear and I did all the research and I talked to everybody I could and then I sat down and I recorded and I spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And you almost want to give up at some point because you start to realize like you can't actually do this on your right. own. You can <laughs> to a certain point, but not if you want that real the professional quality. sound. It's not as easy <laughs> it, as it looks. It right. takes, totally. it takes <laughs> years of experience to dial your ear in mm-hmm. and learn your gear. And then you can start to do that. And so that's that was my first lesson is... I was really frustrated and I knew he was in the studio stuff and I, I talked to him and said, man, here's what's going on and I'm trying to do this solo thing and it should be really easy and I have all of this gear. <laughs> and Mark was kind enough to say, well, like, let me listen to what you got and then I can maybe help out. And so I remember taking a couple of these raw tracks over there and saying, here's what I have. And so we even messed around with He mixed a little bit of it and, and I got to sit and listen to what he was doing and sort of see what he was doing. And uh, that gave me the tools to get better at the mixing. But then even when I was ready at that stage and I felt like it was good, I still made the decision. I'm going to take it to Mark to master it because I mm. mastering is a whole other level of magic. I don't care how good you are at recording and mixing. Mm-hmm. Mastering is taking something that's good and really pushing the best beautiful pieces of it and taking down the harsher pieces of it. Okay. So, now I remember recording you guys to tape. Well, did, did we you, do that? We well? we did too. That was later on. This was that was later. Okay. Yeah, this was yeah. Uh, this was way back in two thousand nine when I was working on the, my first solo record. Oh, you're opposed. 
Opposed one. one. Yes. Yep. Okay. Right. And we'll put a link that up. That was for, before we did. We'll put oh, a link up for Maddie's. I want to see Maddie's self. I want to see that. And then we recorded Legendary Good Times. Yeah, then years later, years later, um, I ended up in an amazing band with what I think are some of the best musicians I've ever played with. And we didn't know what we were going to become. I was coming off of a metal band. We had lost a drummer. It's really hard to replace a drummer in a metal band. It's kind of the core of the sound. So we'd auditioned, and we couldn't find a guy. We couldn't find a guy. And I auditioned this one guy also named Mark. And he, I loved how he sounded, but he didn't sound like a metal drummer. And I had gone to my guitar or my bass player at the time, Dave, and said, hey, man, this guy's he's got a sound. It reminds me of Zeppelin. It's kind of big and boomy and John Bonham, drummer mm -hmm. from Zeppelin. And I said, what do you think about not playing metal anymore? I mean, we've been looking forever for this drummer. Can't find him. We'd have to scrap all 21 songs we'd written, start over with something brand new. Ah. But this drummer, he had something. And so... So you had a whole other slew of material oh yeah we that. had two records worth that of material was, that oh, was metal that was metal we uh -huh. had just gotten booked on big shows we were going somewhere and then a drummer at the time took a really good job in la damn what was there. the name of that yeah. band that was called in between oh yeah back at that time and for a while our new band even went under the name in between until uh -huh. we discovered another band had used it down in the sacramento area but long story long Next thing you know, I'm in a band that sounds like it came out of the 70s. Uh-huh. In what way? What way 70s? Like All the Doobie classic, Brothers type classic rock trio. from the 70s. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the band, James Gang. Uh-huh. That sort of sound. A little bit of Pink Floydy stuff. Bluesy rock. Oh, there we blues, go. There we go. A lot of go. blues, a lot of mm -hmm. soul. All this stuff put together, but modern new music. It just had all of these elements from the past. Yeah. So when it came time to record, we got to go real to real. And then the light bulb comes on. Who do I know that does reel-to-reel -reel recording? <laughs> okay, what does still had a reel-to-reel. -reel. What's yeah. that reel-to-reel? -reel? <laughs> so that's what you see in the old 70s uh, videos inside studios, the big giant machine yep. that's pulling okay. tape on one side. <laughs> they're, oftentimes they're kind of mounted down at an angle. Sometimes they're, they're vertical. But uh, what it does for somebody who's not familiar with the difference between audio, and you'll, you'll, I'm going to let you expound on this. You're way better at it. Uh, it's smooth and buttery and creamy Oh, when it's analog. Yeah. Oh, that's when it's digital. Ooh. It's a little cold and a little shrill and a little harsh. And I'll let you speak to why that is. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good general descriptions. But uh, when you're recording analog, you're actually recording the sound wave. And it's a, a, it's a real sound wave like it would exist in nature, you could say. But digital is uh, simulating an analog sound wave. So it's just taking little samples every millisecond milliseconds and, mm -hmm. wow and then recreating a natural sound wave so the result like maddie said is that digital recordings can sound a little brittle a little harsh they don't have that smoothness right uh analog tape also just creates a whole sound uh Tape compression does something to sound that's, so, that's really pleasant. You know, it, this it is warms why, it up. It's why records sounded so good from the. You put a record on from the seventies, uh huh, and you put a modern record on, even a great sounding setup. That record from the seventies, it has a magic to mm -hmm. it. 
and, and a lot of that is the tape the compression, tape. the sound of the yep. tape compression. So sometimes, the tape. like if like if I want to go, like I'll go th- through my Spotify, like oh, Three Dogs Night, I want to I want to download that song, yep. but it say remastered in two thousand seven. So like, what the fuck? Why? So what is that for? Like. Well, that would that? be a that would be a digital remaster. So right, they, they probably went back and got the original analog uh-huh. tapes and transferred all those tracks to a computer digitally mm-hmm. at a really high sampling rate. Okay, uh, so higher sampling sense. rates uh, uh, translate better, uh, more gotcha. pro- close, closely approximate the analog sound. The higher the sampling rate you use, the more you. Closely approximate. So is that more to like mess with the EQ and things like that to make it sound a little bit better, or is that like uh, when they do? Oh, when the remaster, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because now you have so many more tools with digital audio Mm -hmm. that you can you can enhance audio more. You can manipulate it more. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, you could say more. It's it's relative. There's a lot of things you can do with analog gear too. But yeah, but with digital, you know, you can see it on the screen. You can do so many minute little adjustments and. And so, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, old analog uh, recorded records are being digitally remastered just to enhance them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But now, with digital recording where it's at, it's better at approximating the warmth of analog recording. Right. And, and Getting now closer have, every, year, every year. Now I even have a digital tape machine. Yeah. Oh, so wow. <laughs> instead of using the tape machine that we recorded on. Right. I can now run my digital mixes through this digital tape machine plugin, and it it produces the same warmth. As, are there are there the any artists in. out there that still use like reel to reel at all? Sure, sure, Maybe yeah. <laughs> for the, for those that can afford it, you know, there there are still studios recording right. tape around. Wait the a minute, and you can hear it. Cities. And you said for those that can afford a reel to reel. Yeah, that, that's yeah, what I was about to so say. It's more expensive now to oh, record very the tape because the tape itself is expensive. They don't There's make only it. one or they two factories it. in the world that's that it. are making oh, wow. analog tape. Yeah. And that, that's what I was going to say. It's and not many studios have all the analog setups still. You and know, even if they of, do, replace they don't have a guy like you that really knows that machine and runs it right. And it makes a well, difference. Most of those guys are dead now, right? Yeah. Oh, shit. Happy. <laughs> <laughs> no, so you're, you're literally... The experience that he has is so valuable because in that school, they were teaching both. Digital had just yeah, right. started, right? So he got a little bit of both of that. But to even... Yeah, studied Pro to, Tools and Digital Performer along with the... Right, the, you got you got really the best of both. So we got to learn the new tools and the old school yeah. at the same time. And then a couple of years later, they got rid of that analog studio ah, yeah, and it completely. went all digital. So I was like, I'm so glad I went there before they... So Mark, what years was that if you don't mind me asking? Like, are you trying to that age was, you? Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm 1942, back in 1942 in the analog. <laughs> no, no, I was, I was at Chico Charlie State. Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> we had this guy, I don't even know. It wasn't that long ago, but you know, it was 94 through 97 is what okay. I Okay. And then they probably converted that uh, studio to digital in around 2000 or so. Oh, wow. oh there we go. Okay, that uh, yeah. wasn't too far. So no. what, what was some, uh, did you have inspiration? I mean, you know, you mentioned the playing piano at like a young age, kind of got you into music, but did you have any artists or producers that really inspired you to want to get more involved with music? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, growing up in L.A., there's just a big music scene down there. Right. And I mean, there is most places, but... But I, I just got exposed to a lot of new music through my dad. Uh, my dad. What kind of music did your dad uh, play around the house that got that caught your attention that you was like, "Ooh, you resonated with"? Well, he worked with uh, people in the Hollywood music industry, oh, so they okay. would bring him Shit. records. 
You know, he brought home like the Rolling Stones Sticky Fingers album when it first came out with the original zipper built into it. (laughs) And so we would get these new release albums and, uh, you know, be one of the first people to hear it maybe. Mm -hmm. So so that I got exposed to a lot of music that way. And then, yeah, my my parents, they liked the Beatles and Credence Mm -hmm. and as well as, uh, you know, older music that they grew up with. So they we had a record player and a big record, record player, record collection. Yeah, all you young bucks, a record player. <laughs> I had to put that guy that meter. A turntable. I had to buy actually the albums in the record. Had to put a penny on it. <laughs> well, it's interesting. You don't know shit about that. We had to put a penny on it. It's interesting because there's Oh, yeah. To keep the, the, keep the head down. Yeah, yeah. Keep the head down. My mom did not yeah. play around. Stay away from my record player. Like, you, when your records you are warped, house playing, you when, when your children abuse your records, your records are warped, you had to have those Man. those pennies on top of it to keep Album. Down. The other thing people don't often realize is if you were to look at a digital wave and a regular wave, they're called a wave for a reason. It looks like the top of the ocean when it's waving. And analog, it kind of catches that whole round wave. But just like a digital photo, if you zoom in far enough, you see the pixels. You see the squares, right? Yeah, pixels. So when you're recording direct digitally, you're losing those squares. Every time that it's not a smooth line, there's a little triangle that got cut out. And that's actually a piece of that total sonic sound. So what he was able to do for us, which is phenomenal, is he put our original through the tape machine and yeah. then into digital in well, the we post. Were, we recorded it off the tape first, right? Mm-hmm. We recorded yep. the bass drums. So that and gives guitars. us that gives us the rounded wave going into the machine. Nice and warm mm. and smooth. Yeah. So and the it, digital track isn't really simulating anything. I want to visit the studio. I'm coming because 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 you because what yeah, is man. it? What is Come it about Blue Jay? Blue Jay? Blue Jay Productions. Blue Jay. I was even going to recommend because um, a lot of comics listen to this, and I was going to recommend to comics yeah. that comics don't think about it, but if you ever want to do an audio album, mm-hmm. I mean, hell, you can do a spoken word type mm-hmm. of album in a studio for very affordable rates because you're not dealing with six other five musicians and different yeah, instruments. Yeah. It's just a guy in some vocals and maybe a backing track of some kind. Right. Well, and that's what Blue Jay's always been about is offering affordable recording yep. and production to local musicians and original mm-hmm. musicians, but I've never been about making a lot of money. I want to help people get their music out there and I yeah. get a lot of that's cool. satisfaction from that. So, so does that cuz if I wanted to make a lot of money, I would have stayed in LA, but Yeah. <laughs> was, that, was that ever a lucrative uh job in the stu- to be in the studio has a uh engineer and, and all well, it's that. like anything well, else in music, I guess. Lucrative right. uh, for my soul, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's real. Oh, I'm yeah. asking because. Enjoy it. Well, I've always done it up here, you know, and this is a really small market. So Big time. It's, it's, you can't make a whole lot of money up here unless you're is that why working you're with in, L.A. markets. And, is that why you or, got you into. Know, bigger music markets. Is that why you did live sound was to help supplement when the studio wasn't busy, the live sound kept things going? Yeah, yeah. Not just to supplement, but just because. Uh, I love doing live sound, right. and that's kind of how I started in Chico, was doing live sound. Mm-hmm. So if you were a comic and you wanted a guy to come do a live <laughs> recording, recording like set, you oh, could, yeah, yeah, sure. I do lots of live oh. recordings, yeah. Oh. When did, you start, when did you start Blue Jay Productions? In uh, 2000. 2000. Good, man. Right after I left uh, Musician's Friend yep. and uh, Guitar Center, I, I, wow. got a, I got a contract with a local software years. company to make... Uh, Sound effects and was music that Trillabyte? 
No, but okay. some of the guys that worked with Trellobite worked here. It was called Enlight- Trellobite. Enlightened Software. <laughs> oh, Enlightened. Trellobite. Trellobite. Yeah. That's, That's my like new a, rap name. Trellobite. We got Trellobite on the set tonight. What's up? It's your boy Trellobite. Only dogs. That's a snack for dogs in Trellobite. 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 <laughs> you gotta get rabies shot uh, if you got a trailer bike. Snaggle tooth dogs. Well, the other thing, <laughs> trailer bike, being in this small of an area, uh, it's interesting because the valley is weird. It's like a, a melting pot of music, anyway. Yeah. It might not yeah. be for culture, but for music, it seems like it is. So you have probably worked with almost every genre of music. Yeah. I mean, I've watched you work. That's with what I want to hear about. So right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you gotta stay versatile around here. Right, right. right. You yeah, can't yeah. pigeonhole yourself you got to. into. Yeah. One kind of thing, so. Right. You know, I was watching this documentary. Can't, it was, I think it was probably been on Netflix, but it actually was a recording studio that a lot of artists went to, whether it was the uh, the police, um, uh, Pink Floyd. It was in the Caribbean. Oh, uh-huh. Montserrat, probably. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And, man, it was just <laughs> so amazing hearing those stories. Like, they were all about that studio. That, yeah, I don't know what it was. That it might have been that area. What, but it was just amazing to hear about. It's a lot of artists visiting it. Yeah, it was a lot that stopped in there to make albums and and just you know a lot of them use it to uh, detach. Yeah, you can from imagine. whether it was Hollywood, New York, wherever, so they right. could just go there. It's and like work getting on away. It. And a beautiful. Place. And it was cool too because the police didn't get along. Those three dudes really clashed. Yeah, and their last album, I think, it was their last album was the one they recorded up there, but it was some of the best work they did not getting along. <laughs> right, the tension. That's like the Fleetwood yeah. Mac yeah. recipe. Yeah, exactly. But it was some of the best work they did not getting along. And But it was like, they look back and think about how they recorded. It was just amazing times, but they weren't getting along, but that was some of the best goddamn music. I think <laughs> the cool thing about those documentaries is you get to see a lot of behind the scenes work, yeah. like with the with the producers and stuff. Yeah, because, I mean, I, there, I've seen documentaries with um, Lil Wayne and Jay Z, you know, you watch them record some of these yes. the biggest verses yep. of their career, and you get to see the people that are behind it, and they're doing like these old school methods of setting up blankets over curtain yeah, rods. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, Jay Z's yeah. a billionaire, and he's doing the same thing that you you know yeah, I, you exactly. or I could yeah. do and do, yeah. make, produce the same kind of sound. It's just like mind boggling because you don't understand what goes in that process. You that, think that's exactly right. People don't understand. <clears throat> how much that your engineer right. affects the final outcome totally. of your record. Yeah. And I mean, we, when we worked together the first time around, uh, we rented a studio from uh, Sandy, friend of his, a beautiful studio and development, really yeah, cool place. Yeah, Sandy Thick is uh, Flabby Road studio. Yeah, okay. Flabby Roads, you know, a little pun off of uh, the Beatles. Okay. Abbey Road. Yeah, but Flabby, so, so the studio is still being built. We got mm-hmm. to be the first ones to come That's in. That's right, yeah. And record in this space. And, and Sandy, so he's a celebrity. He's in the band Firefall. Okay. Who had some hits, you know, yeah. still touring right now. Also, Firefall yeah. still really? doing Sandy's gigs. the drummer for Firefall. Yeah, yeah. they've been touring a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Around here? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of well, musicians. More, I think they're trying more, more on the window. Yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not playing here. This is on his act. Get out of here. Right. They're, they're like Shane. They live here. They don't play here. They live here. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? True. But. Uh, Makes sense. So the first time we go on, on location, <clears throat> we had rented. And the, here's the thing with that reel to reel. It's extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. And it only, you only get um, uh, 45 minutes of tape wow. at a time. And so actually 30 or yeah. 30 minutes. Yeah. Right. So we had bought what, whatever we could afford at, at 15 uh, ips, 15 inches per second. 
And I think on the speed. That I you think we had. At. We I had. I give you. Carl, I knew <laughs> Carl was coming with it. I looked over. Yeah. I looked over. Okay. I think we could afford. I was relating to when we had the two inch talk going on, but now we're talking fifteen inches. Fourteen glass. Round it off. I was there. I was like, okay, two to four inches. I'm there. I got you. That'd be. And now we're like fifteen inches. Carl, yeah. like, I'm on the scene, ready to record. <laughs> no. So stereotypical, Carl. I know, right? <laughs> that must have been some black tape you had yeah. in that reel. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was brown actually. As so it turns out, with, you can't. Exactly so it it, if it you is. mess up, there's no re-recording, right? You just scrap that tape, or how does that work? Well, that's what I was going to say. So oh, you can record over the tape a few times. But, gotcha, gotcha. But okay. not a, you don't want to do a that lot. too much. Yeah. It's like an etch a sketch. You use it enough. It's so just, it's, it's yeah, really looks fre- sketched already. <laughs> it's limited, and like you could be in the middle of a take, and boy, if you're starting to run out of tape. Yeah, you know, you you're, run like, the end of the, you're done. Yeah, well, yeah, you, you definitely just, don't want to run out of tape. Oh my yeah, exactly. god! So there's lots of things that go. I in never run crazy. out of tape. <laughs> so, so this guy Carl's plugging himself again. In addition to to working with us, so he kind of made this dream come true because we wanted to eventually put this album on vinyl, mm-hmm. which we still haven't yeah. done. We want to do, but in order to put out a vinyl record that sounds like it came from the '70s, you got to go with analog in. You got to get it right the original way. So he was able to going into that studio to help set everything up in a way that sounded like that classic sound we want to dial in all the instruments, make all that magic happen. And then post-production he's working with us on the mixing to get the tracks volume, right. And panning things to the left and right to get it to sound. I think we did some overdubs after that. Then vocals come last as the Mm -hmm. overdubs. And then of course that's the lot. The other thing I wanted to talk about is him as a musician is, Okay, there we go. He's been on all of our records because we always make it. We're like, come on, play on at least two tracks. And so what instrument? What instrument you mess with? Keyboards mostly. Or organ. I think I played like a B3 organ on on your album. We should have set up a keyboard and had to put them on the spot. We got this keyboard for you to play for us. It's good for me because I'm going to put up all sorts of links to all the stuff that he did. But it's really people listening to my band. So I'm like, oh, yeah, listen to me. But no, it was really cool because watching you do that process and seeing everything that went into it. And we really had a great time with the experience. So now fast forward to album two, it's time to do our second record. And we wanted to work with Mark, of course. And it's like, okay, well, let's buy a little more tape. <laughs> we have a little bit more takes at this. But this and time that tape around, is not so expensive. We were recording on quarter inch tape, so that's yeah, we went, we went a lot less than the two inch tape. Now we're in but Zach's still, territory. We're looking for that quarter inch tape. We're looking for that quarter inch tape. We bought the, the micro penis <laughs> edition or whatever. The yeah, micro penis. Sorry, I, probably, I probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, don't it's mean okay, to trigger man. you. Sorry, it's okay. I got a tape you could re record over, but it's only quarter inch. That should be the white dude somewhere right there. So we we did the second record and we did kind of like what you're talking about with that studio, because now at this point, the second record, Mark, is in a new location and is this beautiful spot that's up on this hill in Jacksonville. Oh, where I am now. And so the second record, we're like, Mark, can we come live with you for like a couple days and record? Because we wanted to record (laughs) the old way. We saw some documentaries where these bands, they would go live in a place for a month. I really wanted to offer that. I love that idea of a band coming up and staying there for a couple of days. You know, like the guys did that. You guys did that. Yeah. So we came. So where's your guys documentary at? (laughs) We, uh, well, we did take pictures. Yeah. We we filmed it. Oh, uh, no, we did. (laughs) That'd be cool. A little bit of it, but most of it was all, I mean, we have thousands of photos of it. Our friend, Stephen Riley, he was doing photography and came up and documented the whole thing. That's You got to have that. But I just mean to say it was cool because you gave us this experience that we wanted to feel like what would a 70s band have 
done. Yeah. How would they have done it? That's what it felt. So you guys did LSD and just stayed there for two days. <laughs> well, we, we, we may have, didn't get anything we done. Have, we may have done certain <laughs> things. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, <laughs> Mark so runs funny. a professional studio. Yeah, so that's I funny. Know. I thought. So where I do you do you so. run it out of your home or? Do I do you, okay. right okay. out of my home. Yeah. So okay. I'm I'm up uh, above Jacksonville in. Uh, on the hills above Jacksonville in the forest. Oh, wow. So it's a really beautiful quiet, note. I like beautiful. that. Really cool. quiet like setting. That. Very peaceful. Deer running around. There's, Zach, there's deer. Zach, you were not going you up there. You want to record any deer? Going up there and check oh, out. I'm down. Let's go. We're recording <laughs> hip hop. Hip hop album. I was actually hoping you guys would go up there. 25 like, cent. Zach. <laughs> Zach makes music. We were talking yeah. about it beforehand. You yeah, know, yeah. Like yeah. If, if he ever got to That'd that point cool. where he's like, I want to really do this record, like do it up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Go up there. Because, Carl ever want to do Because the thing about it, Mark, all three of yeah. us are, are music and clown. We love music. A uh-huh. lot of our podcast, we always throwing in some music, even if we just like making up our, pre- our parodies from a, from a famous song. We love mm-hmm. music. So, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. We, all right. Well, you yeah. guys got to come on up. And I'd love to. That would be cool. Out. Yes. But I started to say he plays. So you're currently playing in the J Brothers duo, doing covers. Yeah, yeah. I play with my brother as oh. a duo. The J Brothers. We play as a trio sometimes with uh, our drummer Mike Whipple. And uh, when the venue can afford it, we add That's a right. saxophone player. That's right. Oh. When the venue can't afford can't, it. Can't pay yep. your price. Goddamn right, Mark. Saxophone right. Mark, 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 so Mark. Nice. Get your money, Marky Mark. <laughs> I love saxophone. That's such a nice So I, what I saw was the wineries were all yes, hosting indeed. music. And I'm yep. like, I want to put together yes. a band that plays in the wineries. Because yep. during COVID, that was the only thing you could do. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. you know? That's and, what and I not only did. It's still like the best place to get gigs around here. But you guys did it in a way that wasn't cheesy. I mean, I I'm sorry, but so <laughs> well, many, thank you. So many cover bands pick the same fucking songs uh-huh. that the other cover bands are playing. Yeah. So it's like, yay, let's go out and see this especially, cover band that plays it. Like nobody wants Mustang Sally. Nobody wants right, it. Especially right. we want, if you we got a female lead yeah. singer. <laughs> a cover of a cover like, band. F- female lead singers in a cover band, what right. songs are you guaranteed right. to always hear? Always Fleetwood, like always <laughs> Landslide. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. always going to be Lisa Loeb. <laughs> yeah. It's always going to be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we do try to choose songs that other people aren't playing out yeah. but they're still you guys even do steely dan familiar. tracks everyone we do we Who? do a few steely, steely dan, dan. Uh-huh. steely damn dan man i, I love steely dan you yeah. know you do if you don't I love steely love dan you, you got bad <laughs> you know what steely, you know what steely dan is though what it really is yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah hey what the fuck facts steely dan 3 from yokohama is the name of an oversized steam-powered strap-on dildo mentioned in william s burroughs's book naked lunch hey what the fuck you know, you ever, you ever heard of the band, Steely Dan? I'm he doesn't know. I know who Downtown Dan is. <laughs> Do you know he just, I just oh, saw yeah. him the other day. Everybody knows Downtown Dan. Right. Look, look, so this is for the podcast. Let me tell you a story about Downtown Dan. I just oh, saw him gosh. the other day. There's a uh, there's an outreach for like uh, the homeless camp out mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. And, the, and it's called a livability team. Got a police officer, they got a road. Yeah. So I was going by and I saw somebody new that works on it. And Downtown Dan was standing by there. And so he was arguing. With the cop, and then he, t- he just being sassed with the cop. He told the cop, I bet you don't even know your own damn name. Then I walk up, he was like, Hey, Carl. I was like, Dan, mm-hmm. know my name. Dan, know my, Dan does not forget. You know my damn Dan name. does not forget names. It's weird. He's got some weird superpowers. He'll like, he'll be like, How you been? He'll mention something from seven years ago that like I had this brief conversation with him. And wow. for, still doing it. Like, viewers with no context, this what? is this is uh, Medford's most famous semi homeless man. Yeah, he actually he's been both housed and homeless, but yeah. he's currently housed. He's in a decent spot now. 
Yeah, but, but he prefers the homeless. He like. he's known it's as a camp out there. He used to be known as White City Dan. Yeah, but yeah. then he expanded territory. Yeah. He, took over. he took over. He took over meth for like a drug, like a cane pill. He's locking his old shit down. Oh hell yeah! He's so check every day. When Dan. I lived. All right, Mark Steely Dan. Please tell me you play Dinkin Blues. <laughs> Uh, working on that. Oh, working on that. That's a great tune. Yeah. See, you got your favorite one. I got my favorite. <laughs> We're gonna have to introduce Zach. What's your favorite? My favorite is Peg. Blues. Peg. Okay. I yeah. heard Peg. How's that go? It's, it's, you guys sing some of these. Huh? Well, Peg oh. is is mostly instrumental, except for like the chorus part. You wouldn't actually rec- recognize okay. it, but we need to get it into your vocabulary because. Mm. Well, a lot of these, a lot, because I'm big on hip hop and rap. A lot of these rappers and hip hop artists will take popular They're sampling. They'll sample them, yeah, like, sure. and and it's cool because there's a, this TikTok guy I follow, and he's really good at breaking apart. Like, he'll mix, he'll show the original record, be like, what it sounded like originally, and then how they mixed it down and made it sound, and right. he'll reproduce it, and it's cool because you see the process, and you're like, oh wow, that is that. And so how many about of this? Come from that. And they're even doing it from '90s songs I grew up on. Now these rappers are using those, yeah. and people are like. So they'll hear the beginning and be like, oh, and I'm like, no, this is the 90s yeah, version. No, mom, There's this isn't your version. Not that, yeah. version. Here yeah. it is, Zach. This is a song I'm going to play that uh, hip-hop group covered, uh, sampled, Steely Dance, and you're going to recognize as soon as you hear it, Mark. Okay. This, is right. a, this is... Um, and, I've heard this well, one. I recognize it? Yeah, you will. All right, put it on the microphone. After this put commercial. Put it on the microphone. Because huh, I'm on YouTube, so you know they got five six commercials. Carl, don't pay for premium? No. <laughs> no. Here it is. Put it up the microphone. Here it is. I'm trying to fast forward it for you to the right yeah, part. Yeah. Okay. Oh. oh, that's not it. Hold up, hold up. Yeah, and also, Zach, you're going to have to nod. <laughs> Resist the urge for a minute. <laughs> All right, Zach here will we go. start flowing right over the top. <laughs> it's in his blood. I think I Check this out. It at the beginning. Check this out, Mark. You're going to know exactly. It's one of my favorite Steely Dance or they sample. Yeah, okay. It sounds like the Queen's music so far. Ah, yeah. Black Cow. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Well, those, all those songs are off that Asia album. Peg, yep. Black Cow, Deacon Blues. There was magic yeah. on that record. Oh, that's a fantastic album. Yeah. You talk about uh, what inspired me. Their recording engineer, Al Schmidt, mm-hmm. he really inspired mm-hmm. me. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. Because his productions wow. are so clean. He was one of the first guys Sounds to like take it. rock and roll of any kind seriously. And really, so. yeah, because what was happening, it, people don't realize it, but the reason there's a sound to that older rock and roll is because it was considered garbage music at the time by the record company industry as far as how much money they're going to make off of it versus Sinatra and versus the more formal stuff. They looked at rock and roll like, oh, this is kind of this bastardized music. We're not going to spend much money on this production. So they would have engineers that would put only a few mics in a room and make it work but it it produced this amazing sound that you hear on these classic records where it was done with minimal gear because they didn't have as much actually that album had a different production track right and they made a a documentary out of it the the making of asia and they spent a ton of money that's what i'm saying that's why he was different Uh yeah he was taking it seriously spending money to do f- well and it was fagan and becker too that were really driving it you know so they like put a law together, firm they put together five fagan bands five separate bands <laughs> you injured and had them all play the songs oh and, wow and then they picked <laughs> the best players out of those five bands to and, assemble and the put, studio and, team and to put the final band together wow so they spent oh. tons of money and time in the studio so what is elijah like? it was so, amazing so a lot of uh a lot of big time artists they use a studio band too huh 
some of them. Yeah, the studio sure, band like, to record. Shh, don't be telling secrets. <laughs> oh, and that was more popular in the past. Like yeah, the, the exactly. Wrecking Crew in L.A. and so they would and, do the studio. Jesus Christ. A famous studio. Jesus Christ. Alcohol abuse. <laughs> Did you just get that one? good. That I was taught funny, Zach Carl. a redneck trick earlier, and he's Jesus got it now. Christ. Taking it out on you, Carl. So, <laughs> so life for example, let me see. Motown. Yeah. What's the name of Motown's uh, in-house the recording band? What's the name of them guys? I forgot. Oh, at Motown? That yeah. was... Uh, 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 what were they called? I forgot, but they weren't the same. I remember the Wrecking Crew. Yeah, but they and, weren't the same the ones that are going Swampers over. down in Muscle Souls, but yeah. But so, they wouldn't go on tour with them, right? No. See, they yeah. was a whole totally different thing, right? Yeah, each yeah. famous studio had their, yeah, their, yeah, their yeah. studio cat musicians. Yep. Yeah. So. Which Stevie Wonder was one of those guys. Stevie Wonder was a studio musician who was on a ton of records that he wasn't even credited for. Yeah, and that was wow, in true. the sixty, in the fifties, and sixties. Right, that's what they did all the time. They always had Quincy the studio Jones musicians too. play the play the because music. if you think about it, it's like a really good band back then, especially was mostly about the performance, not as much about what it sounded like in the live setting. There you go. Right? So when mm-hmm. you get a band that's really good at performing and they're they're decent musicians, but now they're out on the road and they're drinking and eating shitty food, and it's been thirty days since they slept well. And I must be like, a musician. Okay, now like it's a, I must be like a musician. I'm like a tourist comedian. And now they're like, <laughs> could be they're like going to cram you in a studio and say, "Now play the best sounding music, oh, yeah. best version of your music uh-huh. we've ever done." We're going to record it. Half the time they couldn't do it, so they would label would get frustrated. and They would yeah. bring in musicians that could do it, and so the thing you listen to in the record at home might not have even been the band that you, right. thought you liked. But it was wow. the Beatles who turned that all around because the Beatles came along and they could actually play could well. Do both. And write their own music. Ah. And so they really started the trend of real musicians playing their own I've music in the studio. I've seen some artists, though, that, like <clears throat> like you were saying, you know, might be on a bender or just not taking care of themselves and expected to play good music. But some artists that are just, like, completely raw. And one I'll use an example is Amy Winehouse. She could be mm-hmm. fucked up and still sound like a sound f- angel. Yeah. Sound, sound like, what the yeah. hell? Yeah. Like, I remember watching an interview of her, and she was talking about how she's high and all this stuff, and they had her... Uh, sing on the show, just mm-hmm. raw, uncut, nothing, yeah, yeah. and it was like, holy shit! Like that, she yeah. is amazing. There's stories of Sinatra. You can imagine like being completely sober Ooh. and still doing it. It's like what? there's stories Sinatra? of Sinatra being completely ha- waking up with a hangover and being completely hammered, and he still he apparently Why had this me? talent where <laughs> when he sang, he didn't slur. Right, and it was like, like it was otherworldly because when he would talk to the engineer, it sounds it was like, like Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> you know, it's like slurring yeah. all over. Right. Right. But Fly it's, me to the moon. Exactly, just bust into it. And, <laughs> and apparently, and some of his better takes were when he was actually on Benders. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's crazy. That's interesting. I bet Ray Charles was high when he recorded because you know he shot up. He was a uh, yeah that black sure. tar. So I know. Carl, you should try. You might be a lot funnier <laughs> if you got messed up many times. I'm the oh. one that I'm make him one. cry on the air. No, no, I'm up. the one who's been on television. Oh, <laughs> okay. Basic I'm cable. Basic been cable. On NBC and HBO. I was on. I was a missing person for like two years. No Mefford Monk shot does not count, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah. That's not TV. That right. was. <laughs> so your brother. Yeah, your brother plays with you. Yeah, my yeah. brother Scott, he plays bass guitar. Ooh, boom, uh, boom, boom. Which one of you guys? Oh, I love slapping a bass. Which one of you guys started boom, playing boom, music boom, first? Boom, 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 boom. Uh, 
Uh, you know, probably around the same time. We both, uh, he started on clarinet as a kid. Okay. And I started ah, on ooh. piano. And then he moved to saxophone. Damn. And, and I stayed dope. on piano. And then I started buying synthesizers and playing electronic keyboards. That's and cool. Then, and then my brother transitioned to bass guitar after that. He oh, wow. Like, what? That's the instrument Damn. that really called him. <laughs> uh, God, what's his name that played with Sly Stone? Larry Graham. Yeah, Larry Ooh. Graham. Oh, yeah. There's Larry Graham, man. The Slapping. Boom, boom, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. yeah. And I still go back and watch a lot of that just like to see him. And that's that's because he created his own sound. Yeah, he played on a lot he of He created records. that own sound. Like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Now, as far as, I mean, we've talked a lot about what you do, but, um, you know, if a band is out there or a performer is out there and they're, um, they're thinking about going into the studio for real, yeah. right? Maybe for the first time for real. What kind of advice would you give to them if somebody's listening out there that's thinking like maybe I do want to go into the studio like as far as like maybe how to get ready for that? Like me, if I walk in, don't have a fucking clue of what I'm doing. What would you direct me? Mm-hmm. If I well, like, I'd, hey, I'd I want to practice. In. You know, I want to practice until you get your parts down. Don't right. come into the studio and practice. Get would you ask in. like what sound you're looking for, or you know, or how, how mm. does that work? Is, is that well, I'm saying, like, what problem? advice would he give to the? Oh, okay. Right. Got you. Got yeah. You. So someone coming into the studio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, first you got to kind of figure out what the approach is, right? Is it a singer songwriter? Is it a, ba- you're, you're saying in a band right. uh, instance. Yeah. yeah. So you want to get a feel for uh, where they're at in terms of their playing ability. Can they play to a click track, for example? Right. So that's a big thing you decide right from the top, you know, click can, track. can you guys record to a, to a metronome or a click track? Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, that's, that's, like pretty, that's pretty common in the industry. Most yeah. people want to stay. I turn that off every time I record on tempo right. through the whole song. Yeah. You know? And oh, so, commercial shit. music is all recorded to a click. Carl, oh, this is shit. a thing white people have to do to stay on tempo. This is why you haven't heard <laughs> oh, of it. White, yeah, in order for you white people to be on time, we, you got got built we've built developed it. computers to help us oh, have rhythm. Carl got a built-in metronome. I came with mine. Sorry, you come out like that. Take. So that's actually one of the first things I determined. It's like, do you guys want to record to a click or not? I think you guys did not record to no, a click. No, we wanted a live record. Yeah, yeah, which is fine, you know. Yep. If people have good meter and they can keep in time, or, you know, the tempo fluctuates a little bit, that's natural too. That's interesting. Yeah. What so. about like a solo artist? Like someone that, like, for me, for instance, rapping or like singing mm-hmm. by myself, I don't play any instruments. Yeah. So well, how did that, what, what kind of process does that look like? Someone coming into your studio, learn a fucking instrument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want, yes. well, the voice well, is the instrument. <laughs> See how they ask you a question and then they just go, "Gosh, Carl, it's Carl. He's distracted." <laughs> I speak here. No. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, sorry, well, it's Carl's fault. We're gonna we're gonna hog tie. What was the question? Yeah. So, like for hip hop uh, or or a uh, solo, just someone doing person. vocals, just yeah. straight, just that, yeah, singing yeah, or, so, or rapping. So if, if they want to add instruments after they've done their parts then it's important to record to a click. Because if you're wanting to create a drum track or have somebody come in and lay an overdub on something, they need a time reference so they can follow it. And if the time tempo is drifting... You, you can't anticipate that and stay tight. That's a good point. Right. So practice tracks, practice know? along to a metronome right. before you go into so the studio. So if you're wanting so you're to ready. do that kind of thing where you're wanting to add drums and other instruments later, then it is important to be able to play to a click. Right, totally. Yeah. That so somebody sense. can lay down some acapella and bring it to you. Mm, I wouldn't start with acapella. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's a good way to just uh, demo the song yeah. or introduce the song. Yeah. 
but you probably end up re-recording it once yep. you figure out the tempo yeah, right? exactly. and, and yeah. the other instruments. But if you say you did have something like that to a click recording or a metronome, you could mm-hmm. easily build around it with that. Yeah, yeah that's what yeah. I was pointing yeah. at. Yeah, that's the key, you know. Because yeah. when I used to write for Boys to Men... <laughs> Yeah. Damn, damn, Maddie. Back again. <laughs> Tell us about that. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it no more, man. <laughs> See, I, I give him away. I can't hold it in. I'm just like, okay, you know, right. I'm no curious now. <laughs> You're going to have to tell me. Oh, that's why he's growing his hair out because <laughs> none of the boys, the man can. So he's like, but, but I did. He could, man. But I he did. He could work with an acapella band. Absolutely. Mm hmm. Yeah. He's just saying, don't bring me a hip hop track with no backing. (laughs) (laughs) But I did meet Boys to Men. I did. When they first came out, I met them before they blew up. I met them. That was when their lawyer had to give you the restraining order, right? Well, oh, you're right. So we actually didn't meet. So they asked me to stay away from You were behind the glass, but they saw you. That that counts. But the thing about it, Mark, I've been so, growing up, I was so hardcore into music, man. It was like the law of attraction. You guys familiar with the law of attraction, right? Yeah. But I know that had to be in my life because- it's been like, uh, when Boys and Men first came out, they had the, it was back in the day when, when guys were working hard to promote themselves. So they had fucking promotional tours. Yeah. Where you would come through and do the Armory. And the record <laughs> labels were still yeah. backing them up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Jeez. That's it. So it was, um, they, they, cause I grew up in, in, in Virginia. Oh yeah. What in town? Norfolk. Oh, Norfolk. I lived in Norfolk. There we go. See? And they came through Norfolk and I found on the radio station. That's when the radio station be like, boys, the man ain't gonna be at the record store. They'll be at the record store. Come on down, boys. (laughs) Tonight at 5 p.m. Yeah, and I went down there and boom, I had to meet him and hang out, so it was crazy. But years before that, I had that experience. I hung out with Run DMC. What? Houdini. And a couple other uh, uh, hip hop artists. Might have been might have been UTFO. Now Houdini was um come out in with the Run DMC era. Oh, freaks really? come out at night. Oh, okay. The freaks come out at night. I've heard night. that before. So, yeah, I had I that. Know who, I don't know who Dini So, is. I had that thing, man. I was always attracting, like, being in a situation. But my favorite group I grew up with was New Edition. Ah. My sister was living in Hampton. Mm-hmm. And so, my sister picked me up, took me to Hampton so I can go to the Hampton Coliseum Meet these and men. see New Edition or perform. So, my ah. sister dropped me off. I'm in a concert, and I see my sister and her friends. I'm like... What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know you were yeah, coming in. Because huh? yeah. on my way out, my sister's just, just gorgeous, right? On the way out, the percussionist, my sister was driving, was in his limo, saw my sister, stopped her, yeah. and her friend, hit on my sister, <laughs> gave my sister passes to come to the show, and then afterwards, she dropped my black ass home and went to <laughs> hang out with New Edition at the after party. Uh, and that was left out. And you just yeah. had to know that that was happening. And, she, and, and the guy, percussions for New Edition, wanted to date her, but she blew him off at the con. She wasn't feeling like, you fucked it up for me. <laughs> that was my way. Bobby was on his way out. Poor drummers. drummers. I was the newer audition. Bobby was on his way out. Well, and I was like 15. Yeah. They were like 15 then. Did you want to sing with them? Yeah. yeah. I, I wrote I wrote them a letter because Maddie knows and they know I tell stories when I was coming up. I did a lot of uh performing live and I used to be I used to I used to I used to sing for bands who were working on whether it was a print song you know I used to come in and just sing the song fuck around and 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 he knew I was big on new edition so he lied to me and told me that they were looking for a new member oh no <laughs> and, and back then we had magazines 
Yeah. Like Teen. Remember Teen Magazine? Yeah. yeah. And they, they had, had a off. fan club. In the 90s too. We had, you thought it was a fan. You thought it was their actual fucking address you were sending it to. Yeah. <laughs> so I sent it to them trying to convince them to put me in a group. <laughs> Did you get then back? it come out the motherfucker lied to me. They even messaged back. No, I'm sorry, Carl. Yeah, we we're actually not looking for it, yeah. remember? <laughs> actually, he was trying to get to your sister. They actually banned me from. <laughs> we are looking for 100 older sisters. restraining order. They banned me from the fan club. I can't do shit. Damn. Well, for anybody that's that's uh, listening in, um, how do they get in touch with you if they wanted yeah. to check out your studio? I know you've got a website. Yeah, bluejproductions.com is, is the website. Not BJ Productions because that'll lead you <laughs> to a different website. Exactly. <laughs> bluejproductions.com. Right, Blue J like the bird productions. Yeah, you know, I actually think space. that's a good idea, man. I encourage, <laughs> like, you know, me being a comic, it's a lot of stuff I encourage these young comics to do. Yeah. Able to, get somebody to tape your to, live shows. Because man. it's called, it's a level to this shit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I like yeah. for them young bucks to, to reach out, go to Blue Jay Studio Production, check all that shit because there's levels to it. You know what I mean? So they can be educated and realize like, oh, okay. And like Mark said, you know, he's not trying to make six figures yeah. a year. You know, he's, right. he's working yeah. with people yeah. on their well, budgets. I, you know, I refer it. to myself as a boutique studio, right? Because it's a small like studio. That. I run it out of my home. It's all me, basically. So... You know, there's only so much you and your cat. one person can do. The cat, too. Yeah. Cat, cat oh, you can't go now. I can't go. Get, <laughs> it's an outside I, cat. I, woo, thank God. Oh, okay. Woo. So, so it's know, actually a bobcat. A bobcat. Just sitting up. Just sitting up. I'm not ready to record today. I think I'm going to go But I'm cool, home. though. I might just say, Wakanda. They'd be like, all right. They relax. It tags me. So yeah, so I just take on a handful of projects at a time, you know, because cool, I don't want to spread myself too thin, and and then I work at the Brit Festival in the summer, so oh, I'm pretty, what do you do? Yeah. pretty tied up with that. Ooh, uh, so uh, so get him while you can is what he's saying. You better schedule some time if you want to get into Mark's schedule. You call him now, get some time, get him in the books. This would be Brit- the time. Yeah. Hey, Mark, yeah, um, I have a upcoming. I have a couple of. Uh, New project starting this month, so uh, yeah. Tell me about. We're it. recording at Sandy Ficka's studio again. With, Very nice, with Adam Gabriel. Shout out to Sandy, by the way. He hooked us up so big on our recording. Yeah. Sandy baby, oh, Sandy's getting, a great guy. Yeah. We got to use his uh, drum set, even that he records on. Man, that is cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and his studio room is is great for drum recording, especially because it's just got really great acoustics. And, so, so Mark, we I, I know we have a lot of famous artists that live out this way. We do, yeah. Do they yeah. ever connect with you? Ever need any? <laughs> Half like, of them sure, hang out at my Sure, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I work with uh, Jeff Pivar, you know, yep. the guitarist. Uh, he, he played yeah, with Ray this. Charles. He yeah. played with Crosby, oh, Stills, wow. Nash, many people. Yeah, he's out on tour right now so with cool. the Gilmore Project playing uh, Pink mm. Floyd. He so, was the uh, one that got good. to record in the Oregon Caves, right? Yeah, he yeah. did oh, an wow. Oregon Caves right. recording. We talked about mm-hmm. that. Story. Yeah, so yeah, we, yeah. We've collaborated on a few projects. Love it, man. And, cool. uh, I work with uh, Alice DiMaselli and Brett Levick. We actually play in a band together. Yep. Uh, I'm in the Petty Thievery Band, which is a... Tom Petty tribute. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's yep. cool. Yes, sir. So that's a lot of fun. And Gene Black is you in that band. You better watch Gene, what you Gene say. was uh, Joe Cocker's touring guitarist. And oh, wow. Well, I didn't know that. He's a great player. Dude yeah, we have some me. great players in that band. I remember coming up to Mark's house one day, and wasn't it the guy from Starship was leaving your house? Oh, Jeff, Are you serious? Uh, yeah, right. Uh, Craig yeah. Chikiso. Yeah. yeah, so he, he, he I meet him. Starship. I like they to don't meet, know I meet Starship. I meet this guy casually. I meet this guy casually, like I'm coming you up to You met Craig out. up there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and he's leaving, 
And, and Mark introduces me and he's like, oh yeah, you'd like this guy's music. And he's telling him that about us. And I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, I meet him and he goes away and then, and we sit down and probably getting ready to smoke some pot together or something. And, and he's I'm like, pretty oh, sure you were, man. by the way, you know who that guy is? I'm pretty fucking sure and you were. And I said, were. no. And he tells me who it is. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's awesome. That's yep. crazy. He's That's pretty, crazy. Pretty famous rocker. Yeah. I actually played in his band for two years. See? Jeez, you've been time. all over the place. That's what I'm saying. You so, guys don't know who we have sitting here that, right exactly. now. You're pretty so, privileged. So what, thank you for what, being here. Oh, hey, Mark, hey, so I'm, when you playing live again? Yeah, when's your next live performance? Uh, well, I'm playing uh, with my brother, uh, J Brothers Duo at Hummingbird Ooh, Winery. State. That's Tim's State State winery. winery. Well, that's yeah. what I did. I did. I put on a show there in August. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Alvarez. Yeah. And keep in mind, this takes about a month to come out. Hummingbird. Oh, right. State. So this is next it's week. So that, <laughs> right, you right. Can edit so that so out this there. was three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. So when, when Carl says, when Carl says, when are you playing next? We got to. This hasn't happened yet, but it was three weeks ago. They had a show. It went really well. well. It's in February. <laughs> Well, yeah, I can say the, the Jay Brothers, we play at Relic Winery once a month. Awesome place. Uh, that's often oh, in the Relic's tempo. great. Do you have a website? I like Relic. Uh, uh, the, Jay Brother, the Jay Brothers are on Facebook. Yeah, okay. there we go. Yeah. Look at them on Facebook, Jay Brothers. Yeah. And uh, cool. so we play at Relic Winery at Daisy Creek, at Hummingbird. Uh, Is that a Red Lily sometimes, too? Um, Red Lily's a nice Lily. venue. Well, Red Lily should contact you. They They're really should. nice venue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and... Uh, Roxy Ann. Yep. Cool. So well, we some, of, some of the some of the best wineries in the area. Uh, yeah. As far as we're concerned. So yeah. And, really. and I appreciate your uh, selection of non-standard covers. So when you go out to see him play well, live, that's what I'm you know, you're not going to have to sit through that BS. You've heard. I love that. It, you know, like you said, it can be cheesy. It can be schmaltzy. Mm -hmm. It's like. Maybe but it still could be my jam, though. Be, which is fine. Lounge, my jam, so. Which is fine if it's a new song I haven't heard. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? Like but sometimes uh, that's my jam when you hear something like, oh, shit. That's no, that's what they do, though. Yeah. See, they pull these songs you forgot about. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're good <laughs> okay. at that. They'll pick these. Oh, oh, the forgotten hits. Yeah. Yes. And it, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. For the about. most part, yeah. yeah. We do, you know, we do some Elton John that's that's pretty mainstream. I'm going to look you yeah. up because I'm going to take my lady out today. You should. Hey, all right. Jay Brothers, the forgotten hits. And then I'm going to take the fucking mic from you and start doing dick jokes and fuck up the whole night. <laughs> so just a normal show then, you Carl? Just you warm up for yeah. yeah. so Carl's just going to have a normal show. <laughs> I'm going to warm it up and I'm going to end the night. Well, we, we appreciate you coming yeah, on the show. thanks for coming on, Mark. And well, we're gonna, thanks for having me. We're going to put you, all man. the links up so that yep. people can check out studio and check out the band. We're going right. to check it out, too. We're going to see that cat of yours. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, I just posted a picture of my cat. We'll bring on, some Benadryl. Uh, on Instagram. That's Benadryl. He's getting all kinds of hits. <laughs> and in case you guys are wondering, I introduced him in the beginning as Mark T. Johnson. For all you bands out there, MT the T stands for tone. MT so you better go talk to the MTJ. man. MTJ. You want pure tone. It's MTJ. Mark tone MTJ. Johnson. That's yeah. right. And, uh, <laughs> MJ something on the show. to make it less generic. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so go check out his links. We appreciate you being here. Um, we certainly we're, we're we've talked about doing live podcast shows. Yeah. So you never yep. know. We might get involved with Blue Jay. Yeah, to great, do some work great. on our uh, do a sick. live podcast in front of a studio audience. Yes. All right, yeah, I'm currently recording a Blue podcast. Blue Dutch. Uh, oh, blasphemy! Don't tell him. God damn! <laughs> what the? God, yeah. It's a totally different thing. He there is only one his new podcast. Good, good, good. It's Listen no, it's to no yet. other podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and follow us wherever fine podcasts are streaming. <laughs>